You're gonna, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 32. In Genesis chapter 3, in Genesis, you're, you can go there, you can turn there, you can get there. We, we will be there, and we will be there uh, this morning as we continue our Kingdom Come series, uh, specifically in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I, I want to tell you that in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, we learn where sin entered the world. We also learn that many of those things we could all list, well, what, what sins were there? Now, you might disagree with me as to what sins they might be, but one of the sins, it might be a little bit um, surprise to you, was the sin of algebra, okay? I, I just really need you to know that right now, okay? I'm not really quite sure whose idea it was to put numbers and letters together and call, call it algebra and call that math. Can I get an amen, please? Okay, um, that was one of the results of the fall. Now, here is the question. Here is the question right now. The question that every student and even every homeschool parent asks is when are we going to use this in our lives, right? We can ask the question, when are we going to use that in our lives? Now, now here's where we find ourselves in the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. As a matter of fact, everything's going to be fulfilled. And then he goes in and he starts talking. And I think they're wondering, well, how in the world is that going to take place? Simply my experience with algebra throughout my life. How does that work in the real world? How does that take place? Maybe there's a little confusion when Jesus talked last week that said, hey, never, no jot nor tittle, that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything the Old Testament prophet said. He is the fulfillment that you read the Old Testament and Jesus is just as present in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. Well, I can look at the disciples and even for us, well, then they're asking the question, well, what does that look like in the real world? Like, how do I apply what you're teaching? And so what Jesus is doing is he is building his kingdom, his group of redeemed believers, and he's trying to help them understand through the Sermon on the Mount what this kingdom looks like and how we act with each other in this kingdom. Today he gives us, we're going to take a look at three areas that he talks about. I'll get to those in just a minute. Now, I need you to know that the three areas that we were going to talk about today, the three areas that we're going to talk about today are anger, lust, and divorce. Now, I will also tell you that when we laid out the sermon schedule, lust and divorce was on the schedule for next week. Well, thank the Lord for people like Gazel and Teresa. And so I quote Teresa Ballinger. Here it is in my notes. It doesn't seem like a natural pairing. So what I've decided to do, what Ryan and David and myself and our team decided to do, was today we're going to talk about anger, lust, and divorce, and what it looks like to have victory in those areas as kingdom people. 
And so that's what we're going to take a look. We're going to combine all of those. And then next week, we'll do a message that is really um, a standalone message there on Mother's Day. And all of you and women said, amen. 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 Yeah, yeah. But today, we're going to address these three areas. And so here's what's going on. The kingdom, Jesus is describing this kingdom that's coming, his kingdom. This kingdom was made up of redeemed people. We just gathered as redeemed people around the table to remember all that he did. We're we're taking communion. We're declaring he's coming back. That's what we do when we take communion. And so we remember and we declare Jesus is going to return. Jesus is instructing this is what the kingdom looks like. And so he wants to give them a further explanation of some things that they, they were aware of. And so let's go on to um, our big idea, and then we'll jump into the text. Here's the big idea. God requires more than our obedience. God wants us to love him and others from the, say it, from, from the heart. That's our big idea. That's really what he's looking for us because here is the situation. He brings up these issues, anger, lust, and divorce, and their actions are saying one thing, but their heart is saying something radically different. And Jesus, what he does is come to them and tries to go after their heart because it is from the heart that our actions come out. So we'll take a look at the first one. The first one is anger. And so verse 21, here's what it says. So here's what, here's what it says. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. So he is stating the sixth commandment. You should not murder, which they are very familiar with. Then Jesus does not contradict that but he's really giving them a full understanding of what this really means. He's giving them the original intent of what this commandment meant and how they were supposed to live. Simply, we don't wanna just say, well, I didn't physically kill somebody. He goes after him, and this is what he says in verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus just did not change this. He just wanted them to understand that you outwardly can be obeying this commandment, but inwardly in your heart, you can be, listen, killing people with your anger. He wants us to watch our heart because it gives way to evil actions. Remember Ryan's confession from the summer about his sin on the pickleball court. I will tell you that Ryan was like, the Bible teaches that we should not murder. But I was on the pickleball court and I got really angry at my opponent. And he says, I think I murdered someone on the pickleball court. I believe that's what he said. Is that right? If it's right, don't correct me. He's teaching children today. So don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that that's what happened. I was not around for the message, but I did listen to that. Um, uh, uh, but, but, but here is what he is basically teaching us right now. It is not an issue of your outward obedience. 
it is first an issue of where your heart is. And when it comes to anger, you can be, you can be a source of filth, a source of, of anger that just controls your life. And what he's saying is, is I don't want my kingdom, I don't want the kingdom to be, to be demonstrated by that. I don't, want it to be, I don't want that to be a characteristic of that. So then he comes down in verse 25, and this is what he says. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and, and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. 26, truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So here's what Jesus is saying. We learn in Exodus chapter 20, you shall not murder. We come to, we come to Matthew chapter five and he basically is saying, yeah, that's right. We don't want you to murder outwardly, but we don't want you to do that in your heart. We don't want this anger in you to well up, to cause you to take it to a very difficult degree. And then he gives us scenarios. Hey, if you have a problem with the brother, I want you to go to him. If, if there's courts are involved, I want you to go to them. Here is something that we must realize. Reconciliation is not promised. The Bible teaches us over and over again that as much as up to us, we are to be at peace with all people. Reconciliation can be not, it's not possible in some circumstances. But the key is that within our hearts, we are pursuing reconciliation. That's what he's teaching us right here. I want you to watch your heart. Go, go, get right before your brother. Before you come and give something on the altar, I want you to get right with your brother. Don't go to court with your brother. Don't allow this to get out of hand. And it all comes from in the heart. He wants us to watch our heart. Remember what it says in the great commandment. And here's a summary of the law. Jesus just summarized this. We're going to say this together at the end of the message today. But he wants us to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength. And he wants us to love our neighbor as ourself. And so it's an overflow of our heart that allows us to seek peace with all people. So Jesus, again, is not changing what was taught, you shall not murder. What he's going after in this kingdom is he's going after the issue of our heart. So he wants the inside to match the outside. So what's our big idea? God requires more than our obedience. God wants us to love him and others from the heart. That's what we learn in the first. That's the first one right there. I also wanna make sure that we are very aware, guys, what anger can do in our lives and in our families. Because in Ephesians chapter six, when it's regarding the family, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children. It is an instruction to us how the danger of how anger can well up inside of us and come out and damage the relationship in the home with our kids with our wives. Certainly, all of us, men and women, 
have an issue with anger, but anger destroys relationships and is profound. It, it destroys marriages. It destroys relationships with kids, work relationships. And hear me, it can even get into the life of a redeemed community of a church. And Jesus is saying, I don't want that to be a characteristic of this place. I want you, with all your heart, to give yourself over to this anger. Give it up. Do whatever it takes. Seek accountability. Be in a life group. Help, ask other believers, other brothers to help you in this area. It can fracture a church, and even if you even do a study on anger, anger can hurt your health. It's not healthy in many, many ways. James 1, 19 through 20 says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. In regards to God's, in the community of faith, in regards to this right now, is your heart full of anger? Are you experiencing God's presence and God's power right now? The issue that we just celebrated at the table, the reason we gather in here together it's because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and we can have victory because of an empty grave. We can have victory in this area. It is possible for us to have victory in this area. I might even surprise you by saying when the rice, my dad is the rice side and the Bundy side and I just need you to know the Bundy side of the family can go zero to 60 in less than three seconds. And my brother and my sister-in-law, my sister and I, we talk about that regularly, about it's something that we have to give over to the Lord. And I would say this personally, that the Lord's given me great victory in that. It's truly given me great victory in this area in the last, I would say, six years, specifically the last four the scripture is very clear. Jesus desires to change our heart and give this over to him. Anger and the, the issue of murdering someone spiritually or not, not physically, but within our heart. Something he wants us to give over to him. The second thing is this. The second area he addresses is lust. The way lust is addressed by Jesus shows that lust is a monster in the life of people. It is a monster. The whole book of Corinthians is addressing this sexual immorality. Jesus is adamant that the kingdom of God is not to be a place where people are preyed upon. 
and the objects of our fantasy. The porn industry is more profitable than Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. All the profits together in those three major sports in the United States do not even come close to the profits in the porn industry. And I will just warn you what we're getting ready to read. Jesus is ticked off. And when it comes to anger and lust and and divorce, he is equally upset at each of those. But I would see some angst and some uh, righteous angst and, and anger at this issue and what it can do. And so let's go ahead and read 27 uh, down to 31, I believe, or 30. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And again, this is a quote of the seventh commandment. And so don't have a sexual relationship with someone other than your wife. That's what it says. And then people can get really proud. Well, I'm not doing that. And then Jesus takes it to a whole new degree. You are having an adulterous affair in your heart and in your mind. It is secret and it is robbing you of my presence. And that's not what I want this kingdom to be about. So I want you to see the angst in here. He says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than you lose your whole body, your whole body go to hell. I would submit to you, as I said in the beginning, that Jesus is ticked off here, and this is not what is characteristic, that characteristic of the kingdom he wants to be about. The true intent, what is the true intent? The true intent is that Jesus agrees we should not commit adultery, but he goes deeper than that. The act of adultery comes from an adulterous heart. And it is something that can be done in secret. But I would warn you that Proverbs 28, 13 says that he who covers his sin, God will uncover. And that is not a mean God, that's a generous God. That's a generous God for you, for him to give us a warning that you are not going to hide this sin in secret. I want you, because the second part of the verse says that if you can, that if you uncover your sin, here it is, it's beautiful, I will cover it. By what? By the blood, what the cup represents. So I need you to know that what he's talking about in here is Yes, he's talking about a lustful heart, an adulterous heart. Not just the physical act, but a heart that is eat up with lust. Sexual desire is not wrong. There is a whole book of the Bible that's dedicated to it called the Song of Solomon. It is not wrong. There's a whole book that speaks of it. It is a gift of God to have those desires. But in Song of Solomon, he gives an analogy that the desire is like fire. So I have a question for you. Is 
fire good. Yes and no. Last night, fire was really good because of the atmosphere at David Amon's house where I was sitting in the back and there was a fire and it was cool and it was keeping me warm and that fire was contained. It was a good thing. The candle in my house provides light and a nice smell and that fire produces something beautiful in our home. That fire allows us to eat food on the gas range. There's fire. A nice campfire. Because why is it good? It is in a controlled environment. And that's why the fire is good. But when the fire is not in a controlled environment, it is really bad. Now, remember... A couple of years ago, where the Providence Estate sign sits, some of you know where I'm going. In 2014, we went through our first campaign to raise the money to buy the land that we have, and we decided to have a bonfire. And so we did have a bonfire, and it was supposed to be a very nicely controlled bonfire except we didn't realize that there was wind and there was hay and it was, a it was not a contained area. So we were across the street looking at the land that we had just purchased. For those of you that are unaware of this, if you drive down White Oak Church Road and you see the sign that says Providence Estates, this is about where that took place. We were in a farm, we had a donut trucks, we had some food trucks, we had hot dogs, we were cooking. We had a bonfire that started. And in a matter, in a matter of 30 seconds, our bonfire that was in a five foot diameter went to 65 feet. Okay? Um, we had to call the fire station to help us put the fire out because it got out of control. You understand what we're talking about? Song of Solomon uses the analogy of sexual desire as a gift from God, and it is a good thing. But he calls it a fire because of how much good it is, but how much bad it can be when it is not given over to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I want you to know that there is great victory in this. There is tremendous victory in this sin of lust and pornography. And there is victory for you today and for us today. I would tell you this right now. One of the things that we, we know is that um, in the text, here's what he says. But I say to you that anyone who looks at a woman lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. It is not just for men in this issue. It is men and women. But I will tell you this right now. God's kingdom is not going to base, and he comes and he says it specifically for a guy. And I think it's purposeful. 
Because if you look at all of the abuse in the world today, the culprits mostly are men. And here's what King Jesus is saying. My kingdom is going to be a safe place for women and children. So men, seek me with all your heart and give this to me. Find accountability. And there is a plea, there is a plea and a warning. Do not ever look at someone else's body for your fantasy because you are degrading them as a child of the king. And there is no place in the kingdom. That's not what he wants his kingdom to be characterized. Men and women will be saved. Take radical action is what he's telling us. He says, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. I don't think he's talking about self-mutilation. I think what he's trying to tell you right now is do whatever you can to get victory in this. The people of God, the power of God, the spirit. There is a God in heaven who took Jesus off a cross into a grave and raised him from the dead. He can give us victory in this area. All of us. Take radical action. I like what Tim Mackey said. Get a dumb phone. You got a smartphone. Get a dumb phone. Get a flip phone. If I'm talking to a lot of folks right now, especially guys, that phone is probably the biggest avenue that God, that Satan uses in this area. So get rid of it, eliminate it, and get a dumb phone. We cannot wonder why we're struggling and tempted when we entertain ourselves with things on Netflix that are not of God. There is grace from God. There is a standard from God. Let us lift high the name of Jesus. Give this area to him. Find some accountability and let's let our hearts be transformed by the only one who can in this area. Then he goes on, and I am going to probably go through this a little bit faster. He goes on into divorce, and I believe this is a much bigger issue than we really have time for, but I really want to make sure that um, we, we, we cover this. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Here's what's going on. In Old Testament times, they were using every single excuse to uh, get to to get to to leave their wife. Oh, she didn't cook a good meal. Done. She didn't do this. Done. And they were looking at all these excuses and loopholes and all this kinds of stuff. They were abusing what the intent of the law was made to do in regards to this area. Well, Jesus comes, and of course, Paul says something other in, in Corinthians. He says, "But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery." And so here is what I think the heart of this right here is saying. Have a heart that is faithful to your spouse, period. Don't look for excuses or reasons to say we should not be married. 
but fight for each other. Be together. There's a lot in here that we could unpack, and really I think it's probably three more messages. But I think the heart of what Jesus is saying in the redeemed community and what he's trying to tell us right now is, I want your heart to be for your spouse, to be for her, to cherish her, to love her, to hold her up in great esteem. I want you guys to die for her and make sure she knows you're willing to die for her. Not looking for reasons to end things. Have a heart that is faithful to your spouse. And I need you to know that divorce is not the unforgivable sin. And if that's part of your story, that's not simply we're here to guilt or, or, or shame. What we want is we want right now to elevate and to talk that we want to have a heart that is given over to the Lord where we're not murdering people in our heart, where we're not having adulterous affairs in our heart, and that we are committed biblically to the one God has given us and we stood before to love and to cherish till death do us part. And we have a heart for each other. Here's a characteristic of this kingdom that's coming. And this is what I want it to be about. I want it to be about me. In order for, you to be, in order for it to be about me, I need your heart to be for me. I need your heart to be about me. So how do we obey in our relationship? Not just doing the right thing, but by obeying and loving from the heart. So a couple of questions. Where's your heart today? Is there anger in your heart? Is there debilitating lust in your heart? Do you have a, do you have a faithful heart to your wife, to your spouse? What I thought we would do is we would close with Jesus's summary that puts all of this in perspective. This is Matthew 22, 33, 37 to 40. I believe we have that on the screen. And what I would love for us to do is I would love for us to read this together and understand the priority of what this kingdom looks like. Because this is a summary. And what we've done is, hey, practically speaking, I don't want this just to be algebra. What in the world? I don't understand. I want this to be practical. I want you to know I'm not just looking for you not to kill somebody. I'm looking for your heart in every aspect. I want it. I want to transform it. And here's the good news for you today. He can. He can. In every single area. In every single area. His grace is greater than our sin. All of it. So would you just, let's read this together. Um, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. To God be the glory for the great things that he can do. He, I, I, didn't, I didn't plan this. And so I think we have some of our elders that are still here. Are, the, are you guys all still here? 
I want our elders to go back to their communion tables. During this last song, I want, if you want to be prayed over for any of these issues, anger, lust, marriage, I want you to go to one of these tables and ask our, one, of our, one of our elders to just pray over you, to, to lead you. Uh, Jeff and Robin, I want you to come over here to this table because I think Ryan's teaching. So would you go over to the middle table there in the back? I want you guys to go there. And during this last song, as the team's coming out, go ahead and come out. And um, I, I, I want us to recognize that there is a God in heaven who loves you and has the best for you. And these are tough, tough issues. But the grace of God is greater than our sin. And if anger is overwhelming you right now, I'm asking you to give it to King Jesus. If lust is overwhelming you right now, I'm asking you to give it to King Jesus. And if your heart is not faithful to your spouse, I'm asking you to give that to King Jesus. And I'm just inviting you right now as a family that if you want to, come and be prayed over for his glory and his fame and our good. Stand with me as we pray. They're going to be singing. Elders go to the tables. Robin and Jeff head over to the middle table right there. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I love you and I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the privilege of opening up your word and being able to go through these issues. We know that your kingdom is supposed to look like and what we want it to look like. You've given us a great picture. We recognize, Lord, that our hearts are deceitful. They will lead us astray and the world is telling us to follow our heart and you are telling us right now to repent and follow you. So I pray that we would do that. If there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, I pray that today that they would